It's time for the 3304 Sports Podcast with your hosts, Dan Steinbeck and Coldborn Borkstrom. Welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast. Dan Steinbeck, joined by Colbert Bergstrom. Hope you guys liked our episode from yesterday uh, regarding college football. Had a nice conversation about everything that happened this past weekend. Got a little bit into Virginia Tech, even during a bye week. But we're looking forward to this upcoming weekend uh, with the big Notre Dame game, of course. Uh, we're going to have Carter Hill on the pod for tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Ooh. We're going to be talking the Richmond game. We're going to be talking what they did over the bye week. And, of course, we're going to be talking the big Notre Dame game. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get uh, some guys from Notre Dame on yet, but we'll let you guys know via our socials if that is the case. So quick little NFL day today, but I do have a, three topics uh, dealing in the pro sports arena to talk about with you guys. And so, yeah. So Colburn, how are you before we get into it? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, I'm excited to talk about some of these pro, uh, you know, pro, uh, pro sport topics and, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, so let's keep going. All right, let's keep it rolling. We're going back-to-back -back on these guys, so <laughs> forgive us if we sound a little exhausted, but I want to start out with the MLB because Sunday was a big day for playoff scenarios uh, in the, the major leagues. Uh, we had a crazy scenario in the American League where we could have ended up with a four-way tie, but Boston and New York both end up winning their games. So, unfortunately, uh, for me, because I don't have a rooting interest in the AL East at all, but uh, I, I just wanted chaos, basically. I wanted to see something good happen to the Mariners once. But alas, that is not the case. We will have just a vanilla one wild card game uh, between New York and Boston, and there's no way that the national media is going to milk anything out of that rivalry, right? But basically, here, here's where my point on this topic comes from, because this isn't just about the American League. It's also kind of about the National League. Take a look at the NL West. They had the two best teams record-wise in the MLB this year. The Giants and the Dodgers were one game apart. Giants won 107, Dodgers won 106. Uh, if the Rays didn't win one of their games against New York, they would have been the only two 100-win teams in baseball this year. The Giants will have their first round by, like they should. The Dodgers have to play a winner-go-home wildcard game. And now I know that the answer to this question that I'm going to ask is, well, just win your games when you need to. It is what it is. Suck it up. Are we at a point in sports where we think divisions should go out the window? Divisions, conferences, whatever you want to do, you know, divisions, leagues in baseball, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, AFC, NFC, Northeast, West, whatever you want to do. Are we at a point where we want divisions gone for an more fair playoff system. And, you know, we talk about it a lot specifically with the NBA, I think, because the Western Conference for so long, so for so long has had a deeper number of teams, a, a greater number of teams be, you know, good, be above 500 as a benchmark for making the playoffs. I remember a couple of years ago, you know, we were talking about, I think like the Phoenix Suns would have been the sixth seed in the East, but missed out in the playoffs in the West. Like, at what point do we just want to rank them, you know, one through 16 and let them at it, regardless of conference, regardless of geography? Uh, you know, when we're talking about the NHL, it's the same thing. We're talking about baseball. You know, is it really fair that the Dodgers have a one game stand? Uh, meanwhile, the Braves didn't even win 90 games this year. 
in the NL East. I don't know where I'm at with personally. I know that the answer is just win your games, you know, just win your division, and you don't have to worry about this problem. Uh, I like what the NBA has done with their expanded play-in format because now more teams with those, you know, decent records can get their shot at the playoffs, even if there's no chance that they're going to win the title. You know, you know where I'm coming from with this, right? Am I crazy? I mean, we're talking about the NFC East each year being terrible. We're talking about NFL division sending teams to the playoffs with below 500 records where other, you know, in another conference, a 10 or 11 win team could miss. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I know that, again, the answer is just win your games, just win your division. Don't complain about it. Just do what you have to do. But then I also know that the other side of it will be, you know, the division rivalries that we've had for years. Like the one that that comes to mind immediately for me is my Cowboys and the Eagles and, you know, their rivalries with the Giants and Washington. You know, I, I know that when you get rid of divisions, those can go away, but I think you can still protect those and have them play schedules within divisions. I just think that at the end of the day, what if you get rid of divisions when it comes to the final playoff bracket? I disagree because as you just mentioned, I think it overcomplicates things, but on top of that, it gets away from rivalries, which is really what these divisions bring. And I think divisions also bring competition between the teams. You have to be better than one of those other teams. Um, whether the, whether than, uh, whether it's football, you have to be better, better than the other three teams or whether it's the West and uh, you have to be better than, you know, six other teams to make sure that you're in like that eight or you have to be one of like the top three teams generally in the West to really be competitive for the uh, NBA title. Like it, it creates rivalries, it creates competition, it creates uh, funding for particularly smaller markets um, because otherwise who, what would stop you if there were no divisions from having like the G New York Giants, for example, going up against, you know, Giants versus the Jets versus the Cowboys versus, uh, you know, maybe Tampa Bay right now and et cetera. And like, basically they're all coming up against the big market teams. And then you have to go to the smaller markets and it's like, oh, well, you know, Washington football team would probably be a smaller market right now. So who, who are they going to play? Are they going to play, you know? So you're thinking the of, the bigger market teams making their own schedule. I, I think that's kind of, it's not that the bigger market teams would make their own schedule. It's that with the bigger market teams being open to each other, why wouldn't the commissioners of these leagues say, I want the battle of New York and LA twice. And, you know, we'll be able to get it four times. So and if I was able to guarantee you in the NFL, at least that I would keep divisions for scheduling purposes and you can get your home and home games with your historic rivals, you can keep that. But just at the end of the season, there's no seven, eight and one Washington football team in the playoffs and the Miami Dolphins get in instead. And it's just no conferences, just simple one through what, 12, one through 16 in, in, in any sport you, that you like. Maybe there should be benchmarks, but I would still say no. Okay. I, again, I, I'm probably, I'm still, I think I'm on that side as well. And again, I know the answer to the question is just win the games you know, don't complain. Hey, Dodgers just win a game against the giants that you lost or win two games against them or whatever. But uh, no, I, I, I think I'm still on the same side of you. I, I don't want divisions gone. I, I'm just thinking that sports could be at that moment where, and again, think about the super league that we've been talking about for months on end now. 
that's kind of just getting rid of you know smaller market teams and getting rid and getting the more prosperous teams into one giant league by by themselves yeah i mean i don't want to think about super league but yeah i mean essentially yeah Um, i don't know i i don't think this is going to happen anytime soon but just seeing where i I I like the stuff the nba took I, i like the approach the nba took because you know looking back at those years ago, I think it was 2014 season, you know, the Suns had like a 45 win regular season, which is really good in an 82 game season for an NBA team looking to make the playoffs. It just didn't happen that year, but if they had the plan, you know, now, now you're in, now you're in the conversation. So I, I, I like the idea. I like the approach the NBA took for that. All right, let's move on now. want to move and, you know, speaking of the NBA, they're kind of the forefront of this uh, as the NBA and NHL seasons are I mean, I mean, the preseason starting for the NHL right now. NBA preseason will start up soon. Uh, NBA season starts at the end of the month. The vaccine debate in sports has been kind of growing. Uh, I, I think that it's not getting it's not getting too much attention, but that's largely for the for the part that you know the NBA is mostly vaccinated. They're saying that they're over ninety percent. The NHL is saying that they're going to have like less than fifteen players in the entire league. Uh, not be uh, vaccinated for the upcoming year. And one of them is on my Red Wings because of course it is. Um, just, just with the NBA, I, I just kind of wanted to do the update. Uh, Andrew Wiggins did get his vaccine and this was coming off of a firestorm uh, backlash. He was getting just in the past week for admitting that he wasn't vaccinated. And, you know, we had Steph Curry coming out and saying, oh yeah, we hope that he's available. because it, it's, 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 it's a tricky situation. So basically uh, Bradley Beal, also one of those unvaccinated players, but Kyrie Irving's unvaccinated status is of bigger importance to his team because there are only two cities in the United States right now that are going to be requiring these NBA players to be vaccinated to play home games, and it's New York and San Francisco. So that means that the Golden State Warriors, Brooklyn Nets, and New York Knicks players have to be vaccinated or else they're missing half of the season, just flat out, and they're going to lose all their pay for it. So Andrew Wiggins cannot afford that. His team can't afford that. Kyrie Irving is interesting to me now with Wiggins I was going to come on here I was ready to come on here and say that you're bringing back Steph Curry you're bringing back Clay Thompson if you want to make a legit run they're going to need you in those 41 games and you're not available well now he is so I can't really do that and I'm sure that he got a nice talking to from Steph and from Steve Kerr and all of his teammates and whatever and I'm sure that they brought him to his senses Kyrie Ring is just different at this point it's a really weird spot that he's in and he has done some weird he did a lot of weird stuff last year uh he has a lot of good he, he does a lot of good stuff he's an activist but some some of the times sometimes when Kyrie Irving opens his mouth it's just confusing especially when he talks about flat earth or whatever but it, it just you're going to be competing for an NBA championship and the reason the Nets a big reason the Nets couldn't beat the Bucks last year is because Harden was missing time and you were out so you want to run it back with this big three. Well, you're only going to be able to do it for 41 games because you're going to be missing the other 41 at home. And I'm pretty sure that the NBA structures their schedule so that you're going to be playing the Knicks in your division in Madison Square Garden for a number of games this season. I think two games against uh, everyone in your division on the road. So I think that they're going to be missing two more games in New York on top of the 41 that you're going to be missing in the Barclays Center. And then you're going to be going on the road to Golden State, I think, at one point this year. So that's another game. So Kyrie Irving is signing up to miss uh, 44 games, more than half the season, if he does not get vaccinated. And for a team that is looking to – and look, 
with Durant and Harden and the collection of players that they have, they can certainly win enough games to make the playoffs. And I don't think it's going to be a problem. What becomes a problem is if, I mean, I don't think Golden State's going to make the NBA Finals or anything, but what if they did? And Or even still, what if you are the top seed and it's the NBA Finals or just a simple playoff round and it comes to game seven on your home court and you can't be there for your team? Is that really what you want to be doing? Even if, if forget the fact that you're in the public eye and you getting this could have an impact on other people getting it and helping with the collective health of our society. If you're not there for your teammates in a game seven, in a game you need to win because of this choice that you're making, what does that say to them? What does that say about you? Well, where are you on this? I know that uh, sports, you know, these, these leagues, they're not taking a full on 100%. You must be vaccinated or else you can't play stand. It's a personal choice. At this point, I've given up on trying to convince people to get it because at this point, I, people are going to be stuck in their ways. I never thought we would be able to get to 60% in this country. And it looks like we're going to scale. We're at a stalemate barely above 50. So we'll see where we go from here. I, I just kind of want to get your immediate thoughts on this. And then we can move on to some soccer stuff and then get into more NFL stuff. Uh, the NBA is at the forefront of this, but this is a you know multi-sport issue. I, I think my stances remain the same. Um, whatever, you know, because this is sometimes an issue with, I know, religion sometimes as well. Um, there's a thing that's talked about um, as, you know, a lot of the world's population is Christian, is treat your neighbor like yourself and treat your neighbor like you want to be treated. I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, and I know we've talked about this a lot. Why, why, if others are willing to protect you, why aren't you willing to protect yourself? Why aren't you willing to protect your family? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't feel any remorse for the players that aren't willing to do this. I have been pro-vaccine since, you know, it came out. Uh, you and I have both talked about, and I know you and I both agree to get the vaccine. There are scientists, there are experts that do this type of stuff. So why, why would you not trust the experts? Um, and I, I don't know. I find it crazy that people aren't willing to, I mean, well, not crazy. I can find it understandable in some circumstances, but overall, it's for the betterment of yourself, for the betterment of your family, for the betterment of your neighbor. If you're not doing it, I don't really feel remorse for um, any negative side effects, like if these NBA players miss time, um, I wouldn't feel bad for that player. I would feel bad for the players that suffered for that player not deciding to get their vaccine. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really much more to say beyond that. I'm very much pro that, you know, pro vaccine and pro science. I mean, I'm a science major um, here at Tech or science double major now. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's my stance on it. I, I can get it in some circumstances. Uh, I can't really get it if you're just like, no. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't have much else to say on it that I think is really no cool. no I I get it and it's basically a point it's where yeah it's, it's exactly right perfect uh how about a quick update I'm just scrolling through Twitter here first of all Twitter because Facebook servers are down so that means Instagram and WhatsApp are all down Twitter has uh reached its highest number of people on its platform at one time ever in its history so how about that but then also and I'm contributing to it so go go me I guess but then also this I mentioned on what was yesterday's show, uh, I mentioned subscribe to The Athletic. Oh boy, 
Digital sports news firm The Athletic hemorrhaged nearly $100 million cash between 2019 and 2020, according to a presentation prepared for investors, exceeding the $73 million in revenue the company brought in over that same period. So The Athletic is losing a lot of money. And it says this, they will need to nearly double revenue in the next two years just to be cash flow neutral. I'm telling you, yes, I think The Athletic is worth it to pay for it. But man, journalism is just in a bad spot right now if that's happening to one of the biggest uh, brands in sports. I mean, The Athletic has a lot of talented people. I mean, we mentioned on yesterday's show, Andy Bitter. Uh, I'm a big Dane Brugler guy and all the stuff that he does with his NFL draft work. Uh, Sham Stranya uh, works for The Athletic. He was, I, honestly, he was probably the first guy that made me know about The Athletic. He went over from Yahoo, you know, when him and Woj were there at the same time and then Woj went to ESPN. He went to The Athletic. So, you know, those big name guys, and they've got a lot of other people who do good work for them. So it's just, it's just tough to see that uh, they're in that pickle right there. So that's just, a, that's just something that came across my Twitter feed. But yeah, all right. Uh, let's do a quick soccer update. We haven't done one of those in a while. Uh, so I'm going to throw it over to you. You have a little bit of, you have a little piece of news uh, regarding a high profile player uh, that you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's really less soccer results right now. I mean, we can always talk about those uh, other points. Really, the big thing soccer-wise that has happened that I want to talk about immediately was news about Mbappe. And it's something that we talked about over the summer, the fact that he might leave, he did. Messi might leave, he did. Uh, I, I remember we talked about Mbappe, and he didn't leave. But he was reported from uh, originally from uh, the French football news outlet, um, uh, it's uh, GFFN, um, but then also from Fabrizio Romano, someone who I always recommend uh, people here follow, um, probably gets the most shout outs from me, but he actually reported today, and there's a quote from Fabrizio amongst a lot that said, uh, personally, I didn't really appreciate uh, Paris Saint-Germain saying he's asking to leave in the last week of August because that is wrong. It made me feel like a thief. I informed them er early at the end of July. And this is all in reference to the fact of that it was rumored that uh, Mbappe wanted to leave the club this summer. Um, and there was one of the biggest pieces of news towards the end of the summer when you already had Ronaldo move and Messi move, uh, Messi moving to Mbappe's club of uh, PSG. But a lot of stuff coming out in, that, uh, in the conversations from GFFN and something that was also apparently with the in an interview with RMC Sport, another French outlet. It's this huge news. Not only the fact that Mbappe has confirmed this, but the fact that he's confirming it when he is. I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 interested on your take before I really say mine. And I guess we can talk about um, where he might go. Though I think there's really only one destination. But this is wild. Well, okay, so this whole Mbappe thing. Uh, I, I, I guess we, I mean, we were talking about it when the transfer window was a thing, was it was big in the news. There were the rumors of him to Real. He doesn't end up going there. And I guess he's just feeling disrespected at PSG right now. So I'm guessing just come the second transfer window, are we expecting him to be gone? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then, yeah, just give me – how about you just give me a list of places where you might want to go? Um, there's only one that I'm going to give. Uh, that's Real Madrid. Yeah, makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's where he's been rumored to go for a while. Real Madrid needs their future of the team. Um, he's been in talks with them a lot. That was the team that he was in talks with a lot over the summer um, and over uh, the past summer as, uh, or even the summer before 2021 as well. Um, I think that's his one and only true destination. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's crazy. Uh, also with RMC Sport as well, to add a little bit more context to the uh, quote. Um, oh, God, there's actually a lot more context, too, I, I want to add here. Um, Mbappe was also quoted from uh, RMC Sport to be saying that he asked to leave in July because from the moment uh, I didn't want to extend, I want the club to receive a transfer fee to have a quality replacement. I wanted something respectful. I said, if you don't want me to leave, I'll stay. Uh, he also said that he has turned down seven contract extension proposals from PSG. I've always been happy in the four years I spent here, and I still am. Um, there's other stuff that I think was in there as well, um, but it's it's wild. The fact that he was willing to come out and say this midseason, particularly when uh, Paris Saint-Germain is a team that, I mean, last year they were meant to be favorites for Champions League, but certainly this year with Messi and Neymar and Mbappe, they're meant to be favorites again. It's crazy to me. Yeah, I, I can't think of another situation similar to this in any other sport of a player basically coming out and saying how disrespected he feels. I mean, I don't see there's probably some that's just not coming to me now that I say that out loud. But uh, no, I, there's certainly been other times, but specifically this stature and specifically in the middle of the season. Like this is this is er- not even middle. This is early days of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I guess it could be Ben Simmons, but that's disrespectful to Mbappe because he's better than Ben Simmons at soccer. Exactly. Than Simmons <laughs> he needs more to soccer than Ben Simmons means basketball. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So thank you for that update. Uh, so there's our pro sports news that we could get into a little bit uh, before we move on. So let's talk about some NFL action. Again, no uh, Monday night football reactions today. Maybe we'll sprinkle in a little bit on a Friday. Uh, all I'm saying is that I need Austin Eckler to go off tonight. Austin Eckler, Darren, Darren Waller, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert. I need some help before I, so I don't go 0 three this week, but it's a tall task for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. But let's start off with the fantasy waiver. Can- well, there's, there's one thing I wanted to say before Fantasy Waiver. Go for it. Shout out Evan Hughes and the Jets. Yes, sir. Man. Big, big, big shout out to our boy. Um, his, his Jets got their first I had to listen in the car because I was making my drive back from Michigan to here. So I had the yeah. XM radio in. And I was checking the scores on my phone. Not while I was driving or anything. No, I would never do that. I don't condone looking at your phone. No, right. no, you, you never, you never. <laughs> um... I saw that the Jets and Titans were going to OT, so I was like, oh, man, they could win a game. Why not Why not give it a shot? And I hear the Jets radio crew, because I had to listen to the Jets radio. I'm not going to listen to Titans radio. Are you kidding me? I want the Titans to lose because I need the Jets to win because it's a feel-good story, you know? They're on the one-inch line from what I'm hearing from New York radio, and they run a QB sweep on third and one on when you need a touchdown to win the game. Go win the game. Just go two QB sneaks back to back. They end up winning instead, so good for them. Uh, also, how about the Titans? Let me just say this: Derrick Henry has 50 more carries than anyone in the league. My God, <laughs> it's wild. And he's so and man, he's so durable. He's different. Like he's just different. Yep. He's probably he if he if he can continue to durable. do this for multiple years and he can avoid serious injury, he's going to be the best running back of all time easily. The volume they give him is absurd. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do a quick fantasy waiver wire. 
not too much for you this week for me uh, in the quarterback department. I'm going to give you Trey Lance, 18.7% leagues. Uh, Jimmy G is down for at least a game. Uh, you know, some people are speculating that he's going to be out for just the game and the bye week. But this could be it. This could be the passing of the guard. If Trey Lance comes out, has a good week of practice, and then does a great job in this upcoming game, you know, they, they might make the permanent switch. We never know. This could be the time for him. So I would definitely take the player on him. Do you have any quarterbacks? Um, gosh, I mean, beyond that, I don't, I don't really think I have anyone else to add. I We're mean, really scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point. We've, we've been doing this for two weeks already. And it's like, okay, all the players that are owned in like 80% of leagues are, you know, good. So, and anyone that's good is going to get picked up. We're, we're kind of yeah. falling out of pattern. I, I, I mean, I, I, I try to look in my 10, uh, 10 man league for reference for all this. Um, and I try to see who's there. And other than like uh, Derek Carr, who's in free agency, like there's really no one, like I would say this is egregious. So, I mean, you're probably looking at Kirk Cousins against Detroit. Uh, he's owned that's a good streaming Detroit. option if you can. Detroit is terrible. Yeah, uh, you're looking at Trey Lance, as you said. Um, Trey Lance looks pretty solid against Seattle. Um, in all honesty, some pretty good rushing and uh, passing guards as he came in for Garoppolo. Garoppolo's meant to be out for a while. Um, yeah, so he could be pretty good uh, going in, uh, going through the rest of the season as he might possibly take over the job. Darnold's been incredible. Uh, someone we'll be talking about a lot more. Um, and he had a great game against, Dal- against Dallas, put Carolina on his back almost almost beating Dallas in Dallas. Uh, and then Heineke, uh, yeah. Yeah, these are names we've already brought up before, so not, not, nothing too crazy yeah. or new from us I here. mean, not, not, not much has really changed. So. Yeah. All right, here's a new name for you from running backs. I only have one running back name. Uh, I'm going to give you Ken, Kenneth Gainwell, 24.6% uh, of leagues from Philly. I'm really doing it for target share if you're in a PPR league. Uh, his targets have increased uh, now – in week four, getting eight targets, six catches, 58 yards. Uh, got it inside the end zone once on the ground against KC. If they use him enough in the passing game, I think he's worth a flyer in a PPR league, in a deeper PPR league, you know, anything 12 teams or more. Definitely consider that. That's my only running back. I, I can't give you anybody else. I know you're going to bring up Cordero Patterson, but by the time we're listening to this, I mean, he's going to be – he's going to get taken in 90% of leagues. So if you're in that last 13% of leagues, take him. If you, whatever you do, get him. I, I agree with that. I'm, I wasn't actually going to bring Corderell's uh, up since he was owned in 73% of leagues. Really, the guys I was going to bring up, and I think some of them are oh, at least one's a repeat, it's going to be J.D. McKissick. Yep. Uh, otherwise, the other two that I want to bring up, one for deeper leagues I want to talk about, Brandon Bolden. Um, he's someone that's really going to be taking over the James White role in New England, and he did during this past game against uh, Tampa, six receptions for 51 yards. So he's not really going to be doing anything running back wise, kind of like Cordero Patterson, but you know, he's going to be getting touches uh, in the receiving game. I'm going to also say Marlon Mack because Marlon Mack is someone who's been able to produce at good fancy levels in the past. And he's someone that uh, is rumored to be getting traded by Indianapolis here pretty soon. So it could be a good time to move for him. And the last name that I'll bring up is Kenneth Gainwell in a game where Miles Sanders is very disappointing. Kenneth uh, and, and really just didn't get many opportunities. Kenneth Gainwell also didn't get too many, but was actually able to take advantage of them. He seems to be a lot more the receiving threat in Philadelphia. And not that he's really going to take Sanders' spot. And that's not what I'm saying after the KC game. What I am saying, though, is that when it comes to those third downs, when it comes to the pass catching capabilities, they're going to lean a little bit more towards Kenneth. And I think that he has good potential 
when it comes to that red zone time and when it comes to his overall explosiveness. All right, I got three names for you in the wide receiver department. Jamison Crowder back from injury. And look, Jamison Crowder, for the Jets, sneaky productive all the way through uh, these past few years as a fantasy product. I mean, he, he's not bad. 14.6% of leagues. He's back now. Uh, really helps that Jets wide receiver room. I, I think it's worth a look there. Darnell Mooney finally making that jump, starting to make that jump in his second NFL season. You know, last year he worked his way up to wide receiver two outside Al Robinson, could not have that breakthrough game yet. Now he's finally looking to make that stride. 40.8% of leagues. And then Randall Cobb, but back with the Packers, has a big game uh, against, who did they play this week? Saints? No. Mm. Who, who did they play? I don't remember who they played. Uh, but uh, I think he found the end zone twice. He's in 13.6% of leagues. You convinced me that due to injuries uh, to MDS, he could work his way up to the wide receiver too. So I'm going to put him on this list. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Really, the, the, really the ones I want to throw in here for receiver, I actually forgot one for running back. I play the uh, Steelers. Latavius Murray. You know Latavius Murray? Yeah, I, I forgot to shout out Latavius Murray for running back. All right. Yeah, I didn't want to say that because he was the lead back for Baltimore. So, okay. yeah. Otherwise, receiver-wise, um, the only two names I'm going to throw in is kind of names that we talked about uh, or I think we have talked about in the past. Uh, the names I'm going to throw in, actually, this one's going to be new, Vaughn Jefferson. Um, hmm. He's really starting to carve a, out a role for himself in L.A. Uh, he was really impressive towards the end of last year as well. And I think as you're trying to find that number three target for Matthew Stafford, I think the younger guy is going to kind of push through past the older guy into Sean Jackson. And I really like the talent of Jefferson. I think if a Cooper Cup or Robert Woods goes down or possibly gets traded, not Cup, but if Woods was to get traded, I think Jefferson's really the guy that jumps up. And I think that he has a lot of talent to where even if they don't get moved, he's going to be able to produce uh, every now and then, producing really well this past week. Uh, but then otherwise, receiving-wise, I want to talk about Darnell Mooney. He seems to be the favorite target of Justin Fields. And if Fields gets more and more time, uh, I think that Mooney might become the a more and more legit option for Chicago. And then finally, A.J. Green. I talked about last week, I think, Arizona receivers in general, just because we didn't know where things were going. But A.J. Green, I think, is really the first Arizona receiver to have two back-to-back -back, like, like, decent weeks. Um, with this week against Jacksonville uh, being five, uh, five receptions for 112 yards, this week being five, six, uh, five receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and then even the week before that in Minnesota, he had three receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown. So he's had three back-to-back -back weeks of double-digit points. He's seeming to carve himself out the second receiver role in Arizona, and Arizona is a top, top offense right now. It, it may not be helpful when you're looking at like the San Francisco Cleveland games, but you have Houston and green Bay. I'll still throw San Fran as kind of a meth team in there. Maybe Carolina, if they're still with that JC Horn, Seattle, he's got a pretty, you know, they'll have a pretty decent schedule and AJ green will have some good opportunities to kind of fight for that flex spot for you. Yeah. Wide receiver kind of getting a little thin there. All right. How about tight end? This is a spot that I have not really been able to give you strong recommendations at yet this season. How about two names that are vaulting? And again, tight end, very thin position at the start of the year. If you can find a gem in free agency outside Take of the draft, it. get him. Because yep. tight end is a, can be a valuable spot, and you don't want to be going up against a guy with Travis Kelsey and having no one. So how about this? Two names, Dalton Schultz, 21.6% of leagues, and Dawson Knox, only in 20% of leagues. Dalton Schultz, 
his target share is ridiculous. Now, coming into the season, there were some doubts about the tight end position. Uh, was it going to be Dalton Schultz? Was it going to be Blake Jarwin? How are they going to split those snaps? So Dalton Schultz through, how about this, four games, target share, six, two, seven, eight. The, the one game that the Dallas offense was kind of slowed down in the passing game was the Chargers. But ever since then, I mean, you're giving me six catches in the other three games. Uh, give me two touchdowns against Philly. Give me another touchdown against Carolina this past week with the highest target share at eight. Uh, I, I think it's a no-brainer. I think Dak loves Dalton Schultz. Uh, maybe it hurts the wide receiver stock, but and maybe that does concern you a little bit because the target share has been a little bit all over the place. Some guys have better games than others, but Dalton Schultz is worth taking a flyer on, especially when uh, they love to target him, especially on that money uh, play-action play that they love to run. How about Dawson Knox? How about four touchdowns this season so far? How about eight targets this game against Houston? Two of them found him in the end zone. Now he doesn't get the yard, so he might be a little bit touchdown dependent. But if you're in a PPR league, uh, if you can get four targets, he can catch all of them. He can get you 40 yards. You know, that's a nice eight points. And you find the end zone, that's a cherry on top. You're over 10. You're into the 14 range. I'll buy in. I don't see why not. He didn't have that great of a season last year. But uh, he's a starting tight end in a prolific offense in in uh, Buffalo. So I'll, I'll go with Dawson Knox there as well. Even, even if he is a little bit touchdown dependent, let's look at the next six weeks for Dawson Knox. Kansas City, pretty good matchup. Tennessee, good matchup. By week, Miami, Jacksonville, New York Jets, all good matchups. I actually completely agree with both your tight ends. Uh, I think Knox and Schultz are very worthwhile ads, particularly for teams that do not have great tight ends. Uh, the only other one I would even recommend of these, uh, I, I have two others. I would be Max Williams, who also seems to be carving himself out a role in Arizona. Uh, and he has also been really good with receiving, only dropping or being missed on one target, which was his first game against Tennessee. Otherwise, he has caught everything that has been thrown his way. Um, but then on top of that, I would also want to throw into that conversation Zach Ertz. Uh, Zach Ertz is someone who could still be traded, and he's someone that was a top fantasy tight end only a couple of years ago. And even if he's not traded, he's had two pretty good games back-to-back against Dallas and Kansas City, uh, putting up 15.3 and 12 points in both of those games respectively. So he's someone that you can kind of sit and wait on, or you could probably, you could probably even start him now when you're looking at uh, maybe not Carolina, Tampa, but maybe more Las Vegas and Detroit, maybe the chargers like that three week span, he could probably get close to double digits. So he's someone that is a worthwhile ad, even if, you know, he's like, uh, you know, they, they move depth, I think he's a good depth play. If you have a tight end. Yeah. High. All right, uh, I'm going to give you one defense. The Vikings play the Lions, so it's definitely a safe bet. Now, I gave you the Bengals last week, but they kind of just did not do anything. They gave you one point. Very disappointing uh, in them. So, yeah, sorry about that on my end, but I'll give you the Vikings against Jared Goff and his baby hands. All right, do you have any defenses to stream? I mean, just, just that, that sounds good to you, right? You can pick, a, pick a terrible offense I've, and then go out and get the defense to play. Uh, I don't know if there's any defenses other than maybe Minnesota. I also forgot one tight end name, kind of like I did with running back. That I do want to throw in there. We both overlooked this one. Go for it. How about CJ Zoma? I need to see a little bit more from him. Uh, I, think I agree. He and Moelle Cox are in the same boat for me. They had a big week, but their three previous weeks just aren't exciting me enough. Give me a second straight week of some solid production, and I'll throw them in. I agree, but if you look at his next four games, they're all games where – Sure, solid matchups for sure, definitely. He, he, he's going to increase from his two target, uh, who's his, his max two targets that were happening in the first uh, few weeks. 
I think he'll probably move up more to four at least. And with the looks that he was getting against Jacksonville, uh, you can see him getting that touchdown territory. Um, Defensively, as I was saying, I mean, yeah, Minnesota, but I don't know. I mean, I guess whoever's playing the – I would say whoever's playing the Jets, but the Jets also just got a win. And Atlanta's defense isn't good. So, no, not Atlanta. Um, (laughs) Oh, gosh. I mean, who else is there, you know? I don't know. I, kind I, of crazy. I, you, you don't need I to. You they, don't need to give me anyone. I, I was just asking if you had someone else up here. I, I mean, maybe for an investment, the Bengals. I, I kind of like their defense, surprisingly enough. You know what? How about a team for investment and a team that actually might do well next week? How about the Dallas Cowboys? Oh no. <laughs> Cowboys have well, had I, don't, I don't hate it. They're top. They're top ten defense scoring yeah. lines, and they consent and they've consistently. The Cowboys have had two interceptions in every single game. Trayvon Diggs has an interception every single game. Knock on wood, and they're up against the New York Giants. And though the Giants did just get their first win, it's the New York Giants. So, yeah, and it's the New York Giants at home for Dallas. So I, I, I'd be willing to talk about Dallas up there. Top ten fantasy defense as well. Give them a shout. And I mean, I mean, they're not going to have Demarcus Lawrence back or anything, but they have Randy Gregory back. They're this Osa kid. I, I know I kind of I, I didn't rail on the pick because I understood it. I just needed to see if he was a good player. This also the Digizuba kid at defensive tackle is really good. Uh, he is second in pressures by defensive rookies this year. Who's number one? Mike Parsons. And New York's offensive line is not good at all. So very much looking forward to that, that matchup. So it could be really good. Look, they have a good secondary and a good defensive line going up against a bad offense. I am down with it. I don't hate it at all. All right, so this is Fantasy Waiver Wire. Uh, sorry, we're kind of scraping the bottom, of the, the bottom of the barrel at this point, but anyone who's good is kind of showing to the world that they're good. So we'll, we'll just keep you updated if any injuries or anything happen along the way. So Let's get to the end of this episode. Let's get through some NFL questions from the past weekend, and let's hopefully make this a shorter episode than yesterday. Come on. This is, you know, ah. <laughs> I, I, I do have some more questions there, but. No, no, no. It was good. It was good. No, I'm, I'm not saying you ask too many questions. I mean, I, I probably just rambled on too long with some of my answers. Well, well it, it's not, it's, it's just nothing, you know. So let, let's let's get into it. I think we're pretty big with college football. We're big with NFL as well. But I think these are, you know, not too bad questions overall. Uh, start off with uh, the there's only one four no team left in the NFL, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. Do you think that the Cardinals are really legit? I know you, you've talked about a couple times now on the podcast that they're very much this early going team that'll do really well and then they'll fall off towards the latter half. Are you still kind of feeling that? Or do you think that Arizona's really more starting to prove it to you this year? I'm more impressed with their defense this year than past years. So I'm liking that. Uh, obviously, I'll need to see it more from Kyler, but he's got a better wide receiver room, like we've said. <sighs> Is it too cheap to just say, give me two more weeks? I mean, I'm getting the Browns. I'm getting the 49ers. I think that's a good, I think it's a good measuring stick for I, them. The next two I weeks. think the Browns are a great measuring stick. I do agree. All right. Yeah. They got the Texans. You got the 40, you got the Packers and 49ers again. I mean, they've got a hard schedule down the stretch. Uh, I mean, they got the Lions, so that's not really hard. But other than that, you still have the Seahawks twice. You have the Rams again, uh, even though you just blew them out. Look, I can be convinced with them. But again, that 4-0 might be a little bit misleading because, I mean, a field goal make for Minnesota at the end of the game, they're 3-1. and one, And they're still a team that we can view as good. I just don't know if I can really view them as legit quite yet. I, I can kind of see that, but then – I'm also taking the other. I think they're a playoff team, if, if, that's, if that's where you want me to go with it. But 
uh, Super Bowl contender, I'm not ready. I'm not there with them yet. I'm not even saying Super Bowl contender at this point. I mean, hell, I, I think they're a team that for both you and I were barely making playoffs. So I feel like that this is a team that is a lot more legit than anyone kind of expected. I don't remember where you ranked them. I think I put them like second in their division. I'm pretty sure I put the Cardinals second. Um, so I, I know a lot of people universally were like, they'd either have San Fran or Seattle or both over them. I think that they're showing to people a lot more that they deserved the res- kind of to have that respect put on them. Um, then on top of that, I also do agree with you. I really do want to see how they perform against Cleveland. Though, as I said, they just had a really good game against the Rams, and the Rams are a team that just knocked off Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm going to say that they are legit. I, I agree. Maybe I should have even clarified. I shouldn't have. I should have just said, you know, playoff contenders slash Super Bowl contenders. I'm not saying that they're the favorite in the NFC. What I'm saying is that they are legit and they are a team to be taken very seriously and not that third team in the NFC West that I, I kind of feel like they were getting ranked in. Uh, the next thing I wanted to ask, and I, we were talking about this on yesterday's show, uh, with the doink end for New England, which had them lose against Tampa Bay, what is your biggest takeaway from that Sunday night matchup? That that was the most overhyped game I've ever watched. <laughs> that game was boring. And I really am sorry to everyone who I told that Tom Brady was just going to light it up. He didn't. Uh, Belichick had a nice plan for letting him out for, you know, giving him a hard time. I, what, a, what a letdown. Honestly, what a letdown. It's not an instant classic. It's not this game that we're going to remember. I really could not care less about that game. Um, I, I will say this, the end of the game decision by Bill Belichick to not give Mac Jones the ball on fourth and three and rather kick a 56 yard field goal in the rain, kind of eye-opening for me. It's like, I get he's a rookie, give him the chance. I, I think that's a good building moment for him. And you get that first down, you get closer, you run out the clock a little bit, you kick the field goal when you're closer, you win the game. Uh, and, and even still, what does that accomplish? If you kick the field goal with 56 seconds left and, you know, you make it, you don't win the game. You give Tom Brady the ball back with 40 seconds left and I think two timeouts in his pocket. He can still move down the field and kick another game-winning field goal. So take the chance. Put the ball in your quarterback's hands, get that first down, and don't leave it up to a kicker whose career long is 56 to kick a 56-yarder in the ring. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can agree with that. I mean, the one takeaway that I have for this game that's actually a little bit more of a, a, a positive on that end is, you know, I mean, we've we, we seen through the first three games, but how about Mac Jones? Mac Jones looked, you know, it, it's not like, you know, he was explosive or anything against Tampa, but he has looked solid through his start in the NFL. Um, he was uh, 30, 31 of 40, which is, you know, over 75% completion rate. If I remember right, he was one of the top percentages like what, after week three or something like that, throwing for almost 300 yards, having a couple touchdowns in there, and a game where the rushing game was nowhere to be found, literally Nelson Aguilar with the most rushing uh, rushing yards with, uh, let me count here, four. Uh, the rushing game overall totaling to negative one yards. In a game that had 
no support from Mac Jones, he was still able to do it. He was still able to do something and do, do it well. So this kind of a big shout out to Mac Jones, who, as we've seen through the rest of his time here currently in uh, New England, he has been, you know, pretty productive with, I, I, I mean, the New Orleans game wasn't great that I see it, but overall, I feel like he looks a lot more experienced for a rookie than you're used to seeing, which I think is good. He just needs to show me he can throw the ball down the field a little bit more, but he'll grow into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, but all in all, you know, great start for him. So I just wanted to kind of that, – that's that was really my takeaway. I think that he's someone that can really go, and it's exciting. Um, past that, though, my next question uh, for you here is, which 0-4 team do you think is the most likely to win – First, Detroit oh, Lord. or Jackson. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. You cannot ask me this question. Okay. Well, I did. All right. I got, <laughs> I got to pull up their schedules then. Okay. Here we go. That's true. Well, the Lions get to play the Bears. I know that much. They play at the Vikings, Bengals, Rams, Eagles. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't the, – the city of Detroit cannot handle being the first 0-16 team and then being the 0-17 team. <laughs> this city would burn. All right. I have to go Jacksonville, even though oh my God, their schedule is worse. Okay, they play the Falcons and the Jets. The Lions play the Falcons, and they got the Bears again. They play the Steelers. Oh, that could be a game to win. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to go. Okay, but the, the, the Jags gave the Bengals a fit on the road. I'm going to go Jags. I'm going to go Jags. The Lions are so bad, man. That defense is atrocious. Um, Jared Goff is awful at football. They have, an, look, they have a nice running game with Swift and uh, Jamal Williams, but their offensive line is getting beat up. I saw Ragnar was hurt. He's going to be out for a while. Deckers still needs to come back. I'm going to go Jags. The Lions are so bad, man. <laughs> Who's going to be coaching the Jags when they win a football game? Is it going to be Urban Meyer or is he going to be out of the league? <laughs> Oh, have you seen that? Are you going to ask me about Urban Meyer? No. Okay. This dude, go to USC. Get out of the league. Go to USC. You are not ready for this. This dude does not care at all about coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know why he did it in the first place. I know why he did it. It's because he needed to get out of doing Fox Sports uh, analysis. Get out of the NFL. Let someone who cares run that franchise. Go to USC, do whatever you want there. They won't, they won't care. This is the NFL. You can't be doing what you did over the weekend. Just ditching your team and then some revealing video of him hanging out with some considerably younger girls than him. He's a married man, by the way. Boy, Urban Meyer, that is a disaster. Get him out of here. If I was a Jags fan, I'd be livid. Yeah, I mean... A bit crazy, but um, no, nah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would agree with you and say the Jags, and that's because I think they have multiple streaks where they could gain a little bit of momentum, even if they do lose before it. Um, Like, you know, right now, I think they gain momentum off the Bengals game. The Titans haven't looked good, and they just gave the Jets their first win. And then you also have the Dolphins, and they have not looked good under Jacoby Brissett. So I feel like I think they have enough momentum there to where they might be able to win a game. Uh, and then you also have another point in, down the season where 
you have uh, the Colts who've been struggling, uh, then the 49ers, and then the Falcons, and I can see them being the Falcons at home. Then you also have another stretch where they have the Titans and the Texans and the Jets. So I feel like they have a few stretches where they could gain a little bit of offensive momentum and then take a game. I think Jacksonville can take a couple games this season. I guess it's all going to, you know, we're going to see in time. But yeah, I mean, Jacksonville's more of a mess than Detroit, but I think that Jacksonville is the more likely shot to get it because Detroit does overall have hard schedule. And on top of that, like, if if their offense isn't able to score three times in a game ever since that 49ers game, it's kind of hard to win games. Yeah. So that that's that's why I had that. Because I think on paper, you would say Detroit. I think on paper, if these teams came up against each other, you would give Detroit the win. I at least I think I would. But all in all, um, I think Jacksonville is the better chance. Um with not only winning, but probably winning more than Detroit. Um, and this was, this is actually a follow-up to the Cardinals question, but I think we're both going to agree on this. So this is probably going to be a pretty quick five second and done. What team is the best, has the best chance to beat the, uh, four no Cardinals? Best chance. Yep. I, I mean, I can, t- I'll still say the Rams. I mean, they're probably the best team that they play in their division. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. So in their division, I'm going to go with the Rams again. They're just. Very talented. I mean, Stafford will need to bounce back. I, guys, I, I know that Detroit is an awful organization. It's the worst organization in sports, in my opinion. But he was part of the problem, too. He was, He's not Jesus all of a sudden. That one game, that one big game he has against Tampa Bay, it was good, good for him. This is more of a Sean McVay, a, a Sean McVay thing than a Matt Stafford thing, if they end up being mm-hmm. a Super Bowl contender. Um, I'm surprised actually that we're going to agree on this. I disagree. I think it's the Browns. Uh, the Browns are going to be hosting Arizona in Cleveland. Um, and Cleveland overall has been a pretty decent team. And I think that when these two teams are coming up against each other, I just feel like Cleveland with their offensive system is going to be able to do just fine against the Browns. Can I change my answer? I guess the Cardinals. Yeah. Okay. Then I'll go with the Cardinals. Now I'm with the Browns as well. (laughs) I I just forgot the schedule. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, I'm Browns all the way. And if it wasn't the Browns, I think it'd probably be another one of the NFC West opponents. I don't think they're going to go perfect in the NFC West. So, like a few weeks after that, they have the 49ers, though I'm not really convinced of them beating them. But then following that, they have Seattle. Um, yeah, I mean, those are really the other teams I'd give. I would, I would give a faint shout to my Colts, but that's if the Colts got healthy. The Colts aren't healthy right now. And They've also not had the best offensive play calling, if I'm going to be frank. So, not Frank Reich, but still. Oh, stop um, it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, beyond that, though, um, speaking of a team that could have been undefeated, Carolina Panthers losing this past weekend to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, to go on your Dallas Cowboys, is this a convincing win for the Cowboys? And then we'll follow that up with talking about uh, my team just get, kind of get preface, but we'll, we'll start with the Cowboys here. All right. Well, uh, unfortunately I was not able to watch this game. Like I said, on the road, had to go with the XM radio. Look, man, what, what, what more do you want me to say? Dak Prescott playing at an elite level again. He's up in the MVP conversation. Love it. Even if he's not getting the arts, that's the thing too. He's not, he's not at the exact same pace as he was last year uh, before he got the injury. And they're winning games. And again, part of that, they're giving Tony Pollard more touches and it's made Zeke 
this confident runner again. And it's so good to see him run the ball with the ferocity that is this year. If you take a look at the uh, yards per carry of running backs, it's Nick Chubb and it's Zeke Elliott at the top two. And Tony, Tony, Tony Pollard's up there as well, but he doesn't have the carry load at either of those two. But even still, Zeke, with those yards per carry, he is, I believe, top 10 or top 12 in the league in rushing. Tony Pollard's only a couple spots behind him. So this is a dominant two-headed running attack. And Zeke had a monster game uh, against Carolina, against a good front. Really nice to see that. Dak is throwing the ball all over the place. Trayvon Diggs, dude, all pro cornerback, just absolute stud. Uh, Micah Parsons, great. We're going to get Demarcus Lawrence back at some point. Randy Gregory's in there. Osa is helping with the defensive tackle. They're going to get Neville Gallimore back there at defensive tackle with him at some point. The safety play is good. Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderish, yeah, they still might suck, but the rest of the players around them don't suck. So that's actually a good thing. So it's hard not to get excited, but I know I need to temper myself. Yes, very, very convincing win. And the special teams unit isn't doing too bad either. Uh, I was a little concerned going into halftime because I know that they were giving up some runs to Sam Darnold and, and they were in danger of doing that. And, and again, that's the thing too. This Dallas defense can still give up big plays. It's just that Ben don't break mentality and we're going to take the ball away from you, which is a very fun <laughs> way to watch a football game because it's so frustrating, but it's also so rewarding. It's the same logic I have with Iowa football. Can they keep it up with that? Dude, just don't throw the ball Trayvon Diggs way and you might have some success because, man, he is taking that thing away from you. Uh, no, it's great. it's great. It's a really good win and really impressive. Was I worried about the late game comeback? Honestly, not really. Uh, I would probably like to see them step on the throat a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball. You know, get those first downs a little bit more often. Uh, really control the clock at the end of the game and just put the game away. Don't really let them get a chance to do that. And here's the thing too, DJ Moore, big game for me fantasy-wise, but when Trayvon Diggs was on him, not great. Not, not an elite day. I think it was like four catches for 60 yards. Not terrible, but definitely not what we were seeing from DJ Moore. And Trayvon Diggs, hopefully his injury that kept him off the side, uh, that kept him on the sideline uh, for the last two possessions isn't a big thing because obviously when he's on the field, the Dallas defense, you don't, don't throw on him because if you're going to throw on him, don't throw his way. Throw Anthony Brown's way. Just throw Anthony Brown's way with a guy who can, at the very least, Shift his feet for half a second, and, if the, and Anthony Brown will go flying in the opposite direction. Just give him the smallest double move, and he's beat. Uh, yeah, don't throw the ball at Trayvon Diggs. Um, to me, uh, when I when I went back and looked at this, to me, it's not a convincing win. Oh no! But that, but I'll, I'll explain. Here's why. The reason it's not convincing to me is because it was something that we talked about going into this game. You were at home against a team that just lost two of their top players and J.C. Horn and Christian McCaffrey, this was kind of a must win, no matter how much momentum they had on their side. But, but here's, here's where this is good. I've talked about how the Cowboys have been gaining a little bit more and more favor from me as this season has gone on. Uh, I talked about it specifically last week against Philadelphia. So though this isn't a convincing win, it has changed how I feel about the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like they are the most competent team in the NFC East right now. I feel like if anyone was to say otherwise, of like a, if anyone was to try to say that any other team in the NFC East is winning it right now, I would be shocked and I would argue against. 
right now, I would argue that the Dallas Cowboys win the NFC East and they're the clear-cut best team in the NFC East. That's what's happening. I'm not saying that this is a – like, I don't think this is a convincing win whatsoever because you're beating the Panthers by eight points and they lost two of their biggest players. However, you've been able to put up a good performance against former Super Bowl or current Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're able to bounce back away from home again and beat the Chargers. And in two straight home games, you're able to confidently put it past the Philadelphia Eagles. And you're able to beat the Carolina Panthers. Even though they've lost those players, they're still a hot team. So the win itself isn't convincing, but the team is, if you, if you get my drift. Okay, so they're at the point where they're winning games you're expecting them to win, which yeah. I would argue is an upgrade over where yeah. they were at the beginning of the season. Where they were. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so then I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to push against that. You know, you, yeah. have, you have expectations with the team and they're surpassing them for you, but they're, they've changed now to the point where you're expecting them to win the game. So when they do win the game, you're not overly impressed. You're like, okay, yeah, you did what I asked you to do. No, I don't well, hate it. I don't hate it. I, I, I mean, I was partly saying it because, of, as I said, of the J.C. Horn bit and then the Christian McCaffrey bit. But overall, I mean, it was a game that I thought that they should have won after those two guys went out. Really what's happened is, is if you remember my original argument for this team and why I had placed them, I think, either third or second in the NFC East, it was because of their defense, and I didn't think their defense was going to be great. I was, in, I, I was never against their offense. I was always against their defense. And your defense has looked solid to start this year. We'll see what happens. We'll see what Dan Quinn in that scheme is able to do. But the defense has looked good. They've been able to get pressure. They were able to get pressure against Carolina. They've been able to get picks. They're averaging two picks a game with, of course, Trayvon Diggs getting a pick in every single one of those. They've been solid. So if your defensive unit is good, you still have, like, if like just around, if not a top five offense in the NFL. So, yeah, that, 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 that that's kind of where I am. It's basically if your defense is able to kind of hold things out for you. So with them kind of at that point, that's why I'm saying my Cowboys perspective has changed, not the perspective with that game. That game was slightly disappointing to me. However, you're still able to get the job done, and that's what matters. I get it. So now we're at the same point, but we're talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Was it a convincing win against Miami? And does it change how you feel on the team, particularly with how they started? When you talk about must-win games, it has to be that. Now, again, going to go back to this well. I could not watch this game. So I'm looking at Wentz here, 24-32. That's good. 228 yards, that's good. Two touchdowns, that's good. So it looks like an efficient day for him. Only took two sacks, not terrible. Uh, didn't give the ball to Naheem Hines after he fumbled. Hurt my fantasy team, but whatever. Uh, Jonathan Taylor finally got over 100 yards. So that's good for you. Uh, Michael Pittman had a good game. Really spread the ball around here to a lot of mm-hmm. different targets. Defense forced a fumble. Oh, wait. Uh, how would your defense do? How's your defense? How would the defense do? What did the defense do? Uh, our defense was all right. I mean, we held Jacoby under 200, and we held our rushing game to not. Uh, well, at the end of the day, that's, like, that's, that's, that's only now. I think I'm going to go the same way as you. I don't know if it's an impressive win, and I don't know if it changes my opinion. Uh, I'm glad you're not 0-4, because if you were, my opinion of them would be very, very negative. As opposed to only slightly negative. Um, give me a good showing against the Ravens. 
which is a game. Oh man, uh, do you throw a must win against the Ravens too? I mean, we're getting deeper and deeper into the season here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna give you the same answer you gave me. I'm gonna go. Not impressive. Not exactly a disappointment. Must win. Doesn't change my opinion of them. I agree with the win. Um, it was a must win, and it doesn't really change anything for me. Uh, like, like that win itself doesn't do, like, like the win itself isn't a convincing win. You beat Miami by ten. Miami's a team that hasn't been that great. I mean, other than their first week of barely beating the Patriots, they won by one point. They got shut out by the Bills, and then they lost the Raiders in overtime. And you know, I'm not high on the Raiders, so even though they've started off three and zero and could possibly be four and zero after to, uh, after Monday night. Um, now. Here's what I will say. I agree that the Ravens is a big game. I do not think it's a must win because the Ravens, generally speaking, are a good team. Um, sure, they were inconsistent to start, and that's why I picked against them um, in our picks uh, segment. However, they were able to put up against a good performance against Denver, and this is also in Baltimore. What I will say is this. I think from... The Ravens game to the Jaguars game is winnable. I, I'm not saying the Ravens game isn't winnable. I would like a good performance against them, even though we still have a banked up offensive line and probably still pretty banked up defense. But the Texans is a game that we should definitely be winning. The 49ers is a game that we could win, probably should. Uh, the Titans is a game at home that I would like to stop trading home and away games with other AFC South teams. So it'd be nice to win this. Um, the Jets, they're the Jets, and the Jaguars are the Jaguars. So I feel like there's at least three guaranteed wins there where we should also possibly have four, which would get us to a five and four record. So I think this next stretch is huge, uh, basically into the middle of November. Um, but th this game, unlike the the Cowboys the Cowboys season as a whole kind of changed how I felt on the team this game did change how I feel about Indianapolis and the reason I say that is because Indy before this was very disappointing and I mean sure I mean we barely lost the Rams and uh we didn't lose by that much the Titans or really to Seattle the Seattle kind of were comfortably in the driver's seat for that game I, I still haven't seen enough for me to say that I'm confident again that this team can make playoffs. Um, and that's really what concerns me, particularly when the Titans defense has been inconsistent and the, uh, actually, I think I miscounted the games, but I digress. Like, you know, the Titans defense has been inconsistent. They have injuries right now um, as well. So I think what's changed on this team is I'm actually able to be optimistic because, you know, we, actually won a game other than being 0-3 so it has changed how I feel at this moment um maybe less of how I did at the beginning of the season all I want this is the biggest thing uh I think I said this on my professional twitter as well uh, my third three or four sports twitter what I really want is I want more Jonathan Taylor that's it that's all I want this, this all I want out of the Colts. I want more Jonathan Taylor, period, end of story. If we can't get Jonathan Taylor 20-plus touches a game, I'm going to be disappointed. Because if we lose that game, 
we probably lost the game because we didn't give Jonathan Taylor the touches. We didn't give Jonathan Taylor even 15 plus touches against Tennessee. We lose that game, though he's averaging 6.4 yards a rush. Uh, Jonathan Taylor against the Rams had 15 carries, and I mean, he generally struggled. So that was a game where you didn't have to fully go towards him, but he was also good in the receiving end. Um, Michael Pittman was really good in the receiving end. Uh, the Seattle game, uh, when Quinn Nelson was coming off of being banged up, we gave him 17 touches. I want more to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is someone that everyone's been hyped up about. I'm hyped up about as a fan. I think you as a neutral would be hyped up about. Um, I think he's someone that a lot of people thought that it was fair to put him around that top 10 for running backs at the moment. He's the guy that really should be the focal point of this team. It's something I talked about at the beginning of the season. Less Wentz, though he has looked good, less Wentz, more Jonathan Taylor. If that happens, I'll be a happy fan. And then also making sure that Michael Pittman Jr. is the number one receiver on the team, but that's that's just kind of a given at this point. Uh, him and Wentz have built a pretty solid rapport, and while T.Y. is out, that's just going to keep building. So that that's really not much of a question, and I've really liked how Wentz has started this year. I just want more Jonathan Taylor. I don't think it's that much to ask. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, but beyond our teams here, um, oh, I think I actually mixed some things up. I don't need that one. Um, so we, we have a couple more questions left for this week. And the first one I want to start talking about the MVP and Rookie of the Year race and players that you would start looking towards in those categories. All right, well, I'm going to need some help from our Monday Night Football game tonight, but I think just looking at some names at the top, uh, Kyler Murray, obviously, you know, 4-0, looking really solid, passing the ball a lot, you know, doing it all. Really, really good stuff from Kyler. He is second in the league in uh, passing. Uh, Derek Carr and Justin Herbert are both, I think, up there for me personally. Um, Although Herbert is really down there in yards. Wow. Although he has only played three games, so he'll need, you know, that, that will be updated after tonight. So he'll, he'll get back up there. Uh, but yeah, Carr, Carr is going to get back in the lead for passing yards after tonight. So yeah, Carr, Herbert are there. Murray's there. I think Stafford can still be there. You know, I think the Rams are still going to have a lot of success. But as of now, he might be off of it. And then other two names, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott. Allen has, like that, that Buffalo offense has exploded after that first week mishap against Pittsburgh. And then, you know, yeah, I'll throw Dak in there, you know, Second in the league in depletion percentage, mm-hmm. just behind Kyler, a touch above 75%, 10 to 2 touchdown interception ratio. Uh, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna fight it. I'm not gonna fight it. I'm gonna push the narrative. I'll do it. I think those are all reasonable. Um, on my MVP list, uh, the, the, the kind of the plays of five that I put together, I put together uh, Kyler Murray, Derek Henry, Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Matt Stafford. I don't hate the Derrick Henry love. Uh, I think last year, you know, he had a 2,000-yard season. You know, there was definitely some hype for him to maybe be the MVP. Dude, they use him so much. It's ridiculous. I'm looking for 50, 50 more carries than Joe Mixon, who's number two. Mm-hmm. How? <laughs> it's insane how often they give him the ball. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's ridiculous. For the reason why I kind of have him up there. Yeah, his, yeah, his issue is just – it's so and particularly high. if Leo Jones and AJ Brown are going to be out for sporadic points of this uh, season, like yeah. he's going to be huge for them. No, I get it. I get it. It's yeah, his usage rate is high enough for a running back. I I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, he dude, he, he could. It, it's it's absurd to say, but he could get 500 carries this year 
That, and that is crazy to say and he, he could. <laughs> oh my god. Three thousand yard running back win. No, it's uh, I'd love it. I'll, 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 I'll care that he's in the same division. I'd love it. Give it to me. <laughs> All right, what do you got next? Uh the the rookies, if you want to throw any names out there. All right. Well, uh, I'm not gonna give you any quarterbacks because they all stink. Um yeah, that's reasonable. And I'm not giving you Mac Jones. Uh Mac Jones is the only one I'd consider right now, but yeah. I mean, it's got to be Jamar, right? I mean, you're looking at Jamar Chase. Um, Sewell had an okay start, had a, had a really good start of the season, but his last two games, he's gone a little bit under in terms of the grading. Uh, I haven't heard anything negative about Rashawn Slater. Uh, so in terms of offensive guys, those are some guys you could look at. Defensively, Mike Parsons. <laughs> I mean, I... Uh, yeah, go for what, it. What else do you want me to say? Uh no rookies are really jumping off the page for me, you know, uh, offensive line wise, uh, offensively, I think it's gotta be Jamar. He's, he's been the number one uh, rookie all season overall. Uh, give me, give me some of your names. Cause I, I, I would like to hear some and you know, I'll, I'll piggyback off of you. If you give me some good names. Um, there's, there's some rookies I feel like are slipping through my mind, which I feel bad about because I, I, I wish I could speak more for some of the rookies. Um, However, some of the rookies that I have in mind right now, Jamar Chase, yeah, Devonta Smith as well. Um, he's had a couple of good games right now, and if uh, his rapport with Hurts can keep growing, it could be even better. Sadly, no more J.C. Horn. Otherwise, I think he would have been the rookie of the year. Like, he was incredible to start for Carolina. He was literally one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, I, I do agree with you. The top offensive linemen have actually been great. Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater, I think both deserve to be in that talk. Um, uh, Najee Harris, I think, also deserves to be in that talk, very much like the heartbeat of the lackluster Pittsburgh Steelers offense right now, um, which is kind of surprising to me. I thought he'd struggle this year. Uh, Greg Newsom, I think, deserves to be up there. He, I think he has been the second best corner out of this draft uh, after J.C. Horn. Not saying that like, he's going to be better than Sertan. I'm just saying that, like, performance-wise, he's that, Sertan's had a nice year, too, so that, that's a good call on your Oh, part. yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I just think that Newsom's been very solid. Um, Micah Parsons was on that list as well. Uh, he's been impressive to me. And then he's not on it yet, but I did want to give a shout-out to a Colts player. I'm hoping Pay. Quiddy Pay looks really good in the preseason, and he's starting to get a little bit more looks. So I'm hoping that he can find that preseason form. But Is his, not is his thing health right now, or is his thing just not being able to get on the field? Uh, I, think, I think it was more of a – I think it was actually a mix of both because I think okay. he's struggling a little bit in play. And I think he also got banged. He was he was also banged up against Miami. Miami would have really been a nice game for him to play, but uh, I think he had minimal uh, snaps there, if he even had snaps. So, I mean, I don't really have many beyond that. Gosh, I mean, Rondale Moore could be up there right now. Yeah, but he's had two stinkers after a really nice explosion. Oh, for sure, for sure. But maybe uh, Jamar might Jamar is probably just going to end up running away with this thing at the end of the day on the offense. Probably. Yeah, probably. But, you know, not, not bad. It, good for him. Really likes how he's Oh, yeah, it's not, an, it's not an awful rookie class. It's just the skill players, I think, uh, ha- haven't come to fruition yet. And, you know, this was a draft class built on quarterbacks, and none of the quarterbacks are playing well. So yeah. it, it, it's just – I don't think Jamar Chase ends up being the best offensive player. Obviously, you hope that the quarterbacks turn it around and they become more valuable. But, you know, Jamar's having a really good season. 
I will say this. I think if Trey Lance wins the quarterback job after this week, I think that he might win rookie of the year. Hey, I'm not against it. I'm for it. I think it's possible because he he looks pretty decent against Seattle. It's just a function of whether Kyle Shanahan is going to pull Matt Nagy and say, no, if Dalton's healthy, he's our starter. Yeah, I would hate that. Um, Yeah. And the good thing is that Kyle Shanahan, I think, wants a more mobile guy. I think that he can really work with Lance's running ability. Because that's what Lance will need to be able to do to be successful. I mean, NFL QB, you're not going to – well, first of all, we knew that he had a, he has a nice arm. We just don't know if he's going to be able to translate it to the NFL. Having the ability to let him run a little bit is going to help him so much. Yeah, no. I, I generally agree uh, with that. Uh, I, I mean, you and I both like Trey Lance. So just hopefully he can get more time, uh, particularly if Garoppolo is to return. Um, actually, we do have one more question before the final one. Uh, it was something that I actually forgot about, something that we were talking about. Um, some players to possibly trade. I don't know if you have any on the board. I don't know if you just want me to give you. Here's what I want to try with this, actually. Here's what I want to do. Yeah. Give me the play. Give me the players. I'll give you a one to five on if I think that they should be traded or how about more if they're, yeah, let's do should, because I don't really don't want to deal in likeliness. Well, and we can talk about where they can go as well. Um, I'll go with, first of all, these very much stereotypical players, because I actually have some of my own um, here, but the very stereotypical players, Deshaun Watson. I need more time on that one. I want to put non-applicable. <laughs> no. Um, okay. Well, if he gets cleared, it's a five, clearly, because that relationship is ruined. Well, we're not saying for the offseason as well. We're just saying by the trade deadline. Well, yeah, and if the trade deadline comes and he's been cleared, then I'll go with a five because he should be traded because that relationship is terrible now. I mean, he's not playing for the Texans again. So, yeah, that's that's a by-the-deadline caveat if he's cleared. I think because you and I talked about this last week, I feel like it's less likely because of how this offseason might be shaping up. But with how some teams have been performing, like Pittsburgh and Miami – um, in their quarterback play, I could see Watson becoming more of a likely guy to move. So I'm going to say two myself, but that's mostly because I feel like it's going to happen this offseason, not by trade. Deadline. Okay. So if it, so the grade should be, should they be traded by the deadline? Yes. Okay. I'll stay with the five. <laughs> Cause I, mean, I, I think hey, the longer you go, the longer, the less his trade value becomes. I mean, I personally disagree just because of the college football quarterback prospects haven't been great. But no, you're not wrong there. <laughs> That's why I was saying they're going to wait for this offseason, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the next one uh, of the four stereotypical guys that I have, Sackers. I mean, it's never a bad thing to have two tight ends, but uh, yeah. I mean, if he's unhappy, uh, you know, I'll go with a middle three there. I mean, I think they're paying him more than Goddard. So, and Goddard well, yeah. at this point is better than him and the tight end one, but Ertz is still serviceable. I'll, I'll go with the three. No, no, that one doesn't really impact anything for me. So I don't know what his return is, but honestly, I feel like keeping him on the field could be more valuable to you than a third round pick, especially if you're trying to win. Um, I agree, uh, particularly if I'm, I'm trying to see when his contract is up. 
Uh, since it goes through 2023, so I think that means that he's going to be cuttable in this offseason. I'm going to stick with the three as well because he's been pretty good for Jalen Hurts to have, uh, though Dallas Goddard has really more expanded into the number one tight end. I feel like Hurts' value is probably going to be very much diminished now with that in mind. And as you were kind of saying, I think you're getting more value with his playing for your team than moving him for virtually nothing. Like, unless you were able to get another quote-unquote problem player out of this, like, I just don't think it would really mean anything. Not that Ertz is. I'm just saying, like, if, if you're able to basically move another for another big contract that would help your team, which I'm not really worried about, like, I'm not really considering. Like, unless that happened, I don't think it's really a big deal. Uh, next up, James Washington of Pittsburgh. Uh, I'll go two. I, who, do you want to trade for him? Like, is there, do you really think there's a market for him? Yeah. Look, I liked him coming out of I mean, a lot of I, I, won't, I won't lie about that, but a lot his of career has been shoddy. Yeah. Now, look, he, he is dealing with a nice wide receiver room in Pittsburgh. Okay, so you know what? Uh, I think the Steelers should definitely put out feelers on him, and I think if you get anything fourth-round pick or higher, I think you go for it. I don't think they'd really get anything higher than that. I feel like it'd probably be, like, fifth round. But uh, You know what? Yeah, take it. I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I think it's a four. Because I think that he has the talent. I think he's shown he has the talent. The only issue is that he's kind of in a Pittsburgh receiving core that is also very, 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 very talented. So with that in mind, and since James Washington is soon to be off your books, rather than not getting any value for him, why not get a little bit of value for him? It's not like he's going to go and like be this game changer on a team, but I do think he's still young enough, and I still think he does have talent to where he could go to a team and – at least fight into the rotational three, um, maybe more. Because I, I I still really like him as a player. But you're you're looking at like your New York Jets. You're looking at um, you know your Detroit's, maybe your Jacksonville's. That's that's really what you're looking at. It's not like you're looking at like a great team, but you're looking at a team that'd probably be willing to have a low risk, high reward type of trade. And I think that's what James Washington is. I don't hate it. But again, it's always the nice sentiment too. You're a team with an expiring player who's not that good, who doesn't crack your rotation. Why not get some value when instead of getting no value for yep. him? And then they never pull the trigger on the trade. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, how about Washington? Washington could use another decent perimeter receiver. I think that worked well. Washington needs but, a lot of things. Yeah. Currently, their defense really needs to shape up. But uh, I digress. Um, the last team the, from analyst wise, uh, that I'm going to go with here, uh, and I'll have a few of my own is Marlon Mack. I like Marlon Mack, it, you know, the Jonathan Taylor plug and play when he was hurt, it obviously came out to be really good for you guys. Uh, so in, ter- in terms of giving him a shot, here's the thing. Do you want to do you want to hold on to him and diminish Naheem Hines' role, or do you want to keep Naheem Hines in that receiving back role and, you know, have him kind of be the guy with the second most touches? And that kind of puts Marlon Mack in no man's land where he's not doing anything for you. If that's the case where you want to keep Naheem Hines getting some touches uh, in the receiving game, I'm going to go, I'll go four. I I think that you can get something for Marlon Mack. Now it's not going to be anything special. It's probably a fourth or fifth round pick uh, for a running back who we haven't seen healthy in a while. But you know he's he's a decent he's a decent player, uh, decent top two running back in a rotation. And, you know David Montgomery's hurt. Do the Bears want to 
get someone else in the backfield there? I, I, I don't know. So I'll go with a four for Indianapolis. I, I think that's a guy that you should try to move. With knowing a little bit more about the Colts situation, I'm going to give this a five because he has been a healthy cut for multiple games. He's voiced his displeasure. Um, and it has been leaked from the organization that we're looking to move him. Um, and on top of that, you know, he's basically become a healthy cut for like Jordan Wilkins. So Wilkins hasn't been that great uh, for Indy. And if he's, uh, he's, if he's a healthy cut for Wilkins, and that's kind of how he's viewed, then I feel like he's kind of out the door. Um, and I don't, I don't think he wants to be the third back behind Naheem Hines or anything. Uh, I like your shout of Chicago, um, particularly if Montgomery's out for a longer period of time. But apparently, uh, injury reports said that he was um, he avoided an ACL injury, so he may not be out for too too long. Um, I'm really more thinking again, kind of like uh, some of those lower end teams, um, Miami. Miami's been struggling in the running game. Um, not not necessarily in the lower end team, but I would also have a shout out for New England here. Um, like uh, Belichick in the past is really like the Georgia backs, including uh, Sonny Michelle. And uh, I think that that's a possibility there. Um, maybe why not Vegas if Josh Jacobs is going to be uh, inconsistent with his health and you're not putting full faith in Kenyon Drake. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of places that like, as you said, I, I agree. He's probably fifth round value. And I think he's someone that would be a cheap guy to get that would provide you a lot of value out of the backfield. You know, why not a Pittsburgh? Why not a James Washington, Marlon Max Watt? I mean, not that I fully want James Washington, but I would probably, I'd rather have a perimeter receiver that I feel like could get a couple touches than having someone that's a healthy scratch. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. Yeah. Uh, now to get into a couple of my guys, we're going to start off with um, kind of some more poor, like some not as good players, not, no, not, not as good players. Not as good teams um, that I feel like could be moving players for value here. And we're going to start with uh, yet another receiver here. And we're going to start uh, because the receivers are, you know, normally pretty easy to trade. How about Marvin Jones? Oh, man. All right, Marvin Jones, I'm going to go – I'm going to go three. Marvin Jones is a super productive player no matter where he goes, whether it's Cincinnati, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Jacksonville. You can get value for him. Do you want to break up that receiving trio that you created uh, with Chark moving to IR? So basically, he's one of your top two right now. Do you want to move off of him and give Trevor Lawrence even fewer weapons? I'm going to go three. So that's kind of a toss-up for me. I think you can get good value for him. I don't know why he went to Jacksonville. Because, uh, you know, he's on the last legs of his career, but he's still a productive guy. He could try to win a Super Bowl. He, he's just been a guy that's been productive, but he's been stuck on bad teams. So uh, I'll go with a three there. No, nothing too urgent there for me. Uh, it's not really anything urgent to me as well. Um, however, I am going to give this a little bit more of a nod. I'm going to actually say this is a four. And most of the reason I actually put this one up there is because I feel like they might trade him to give LaVisca Chenault more of the pure number one role. Because if Jacksonville is going to be a bad team anyways, why wouldn't you just have Trevor Lawrence be like, all right, how about you throw, you know, 14 passes to LaVisca Chenault every game? That, that's kind of my viewpoint. Because I feel like LaVisca Chenault is the future receiver on that team, uh, at the very least until the NFL draft. Maybe they'll draft someone there. Who knows? Um, 
But if LaVisca is going to kind of be that guy and then maybe Chark's going to be your number two, though I guess we'll also kind of see um, in his regard. Um, if that's going to be the case, then why wouldn't you get rid of Marvin Jones? I mean, I, I guess it depends on how long Chark's out. I don't remember exactly what his injury is. I'm actually even looking it up. Uh, fractured ankle. So he's going to be out for a while. But still, it's like this isn't a great team. And if you were to move Marvin Jones, you could probably get a free agent that could fill there. I mean, there's probably some decent veteran free agents. So on top of that, even if you don't, you've got a, a Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew on your team, and they're both guys that can at least put in a job. Um, and then, as I said, you can just give LaVisca Chanel that, like, 14 targets a game. Um, and, all, all, I mean, honestly, the other part of uh, putting Marvin Jones on here was because I feel like he can move to a better team, like – he can move to a San Francisco. He can move to a Seattle. He can move to one of, one of these teams that are either going to be competing for playoffs or even more, and he could go and be a third or fourth receiver on that team and go and put in work. So that's why I had Jones on this list. That's why I have him at a four, but it's very, like, stretched four because I'm also kind of with you. So, Right. Uh, the other the other guy that I had on an 0-4 team, because there's at least one other bad team that I have up here, um, or kind of bad. Um, no, actually, there's multiple. Whatever. It's Taylor Decker with Detroit. Okay. I have been following this. Uh, obviously, I listen to Detroit radio. I listen to my Detroit teams. I listen in on what people are thinking. And Taylor Decker being a trade uh, piece has not been – a silent topic. It has not been something that people aren't talking about. People are talking about it all the time. Panay Sewell has looked decent at left tackle. He's been looking pretty good. He's got higher upside there for, for a young player. Taylor Decker is still a top 10 left tackle in football. When he comes back, I think the Lions should try to move him to the right side. But here's the problem. If he doesn't want to, then there's nothing you can do. Do you want to move Panay Sewell? Personally, I would say no, just because I don't want him to keep flip-flopping. I want him to stay there. I want him to go through the growing pains and I'm okay with Taylor Decker on the right side. Here's my thing. I really don't want to trade him. So for the Lions, I'm going to go with it too. I think the Lions should not trade him. If he won't play the right side, if he won't go along with it, then you got to bump it up. You got to go with a five because that's a first round pick that you can get for that guy. That's multiple picks you can get for that guy. I, I mean, going forward with the rebuild, having two really, really, really good tackles really helps you. You can get your quarterback in there eventually. You can build around the rest of the roster. You have so many assets to do it. Hold on to him if you can. If you can't, you got to get rid of him. But for now, personally, I would go with the two. I don't think you should trade him. Uh, I kind of agree that you shouldn't trade him. But most of the reason I actually brought this up is because of the story that you brought up. It's the fact that uh, Panay Sewell has been incredible at left tackle exactly kind of what we marked him to be and i feel like there is a lot of teams in the nfl that really need a left tackle Colts, um amongst so with teams that need left tackle this is a very valuable player to get um i don't remember how long his contract is but 28 isn't too too old for alignment like it's old but it's not like that bad um my thought so, process with it is that the lions will get good with the way that Brad Holmes is going to build this thing in two to three years. And it's not absurd to think that an offensive lineman playing at a high level will still be able to play at such high level when he's 31. He doesn't automatically become terrible when he turns 30. Offensive linemen have longer lifespans when they're elite and when they're healthy. I now, agree. He because he has someone like Andrew Whitworth, who has played in Andrew Whitworth is 50 and he's still really good. Exactly. 
no, like, I, I, I agree with you in that sense. That's why I'm placing this as a three, and I'd probably even place this offseason as a three. Because I feel like it's something where, as you just, as you said, with talking about Taylor Decker, you can get pretty good value for him because he's relatively young for alignment, and he's probably up, if not inside that top ten. Actually, I would probably go, I would definitely say that he is a top ten. He's a, he's a top ten tackle. There's no doubt. Yeah. I, I, though, you know, maybe you have like your Penny Sewell, uh, like starting. Yeah, well, he's, there, but, but he's not there yet. He will, he'll get there. He might be the best tackle in football, but that means that you have two top 15 tackles by the time Penny Sewell gets around and by the time you're ready to win. Sure. And you have a good offensive interior with Jonah Jackson, with Frank Ragnow. I know I'm naming players that no one on this podcast cares about, but you have a good offensive line. You bring in some wide receivers, you bring in a quarterback. You have DeAndre Swift hopefully still there in the backfield. You have another piece back there. You can build an offense. You have TJ Hawkinson. The Lions have pieces. I don't think they should move Taylor Decker unless he just refuses to move to the right side. I mean, because I think you have building blocks. I can agree. I just feel like you can always get a right tackle. You can't always get a left tackle. And I feel like you can trade that. You can trade Decker for great value and you can still go and get yourself a good right tackle who's on a cheaper contract. I mean, That's I don't hate the sentiment there. I'm pa- but I'm passing up. I'm passing up potentially. I'm ta- I'm passing up elite for potentially average at a position. And if I can have an offensive line that dominates the line of scrimmage, and a quarterback on a rookie contract, and a great backfield, and a great tight end, I got I got to keep with. I got I got to keep with it. If the right tackle was your blind side, I would say this is a one. But the right tackle is not really your blind side, so uh, that's why I'm giving it a three. But. That, that's that's literally it. It's, it's just because the left tackle position is so valuable. So past that, I have a few more players here for you um, that are kind of my own little um, feelings on players possibly moving. Uh, the first player I want to start off with here is Jameson Crowder. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I, honestly, I'll go one. I, I don't want to move him if I'm the Jets. I He's productive. I got to get, I got to have, I can't just throw away. If I'm a bad team, especially if I have a young quarterback in Zach Wilson, I can't, even if I can get some value for him, I can't throw away the value of having guys that Zach Wilson can build rapport with and grow comfortable in the NFL game with. And Jameson Crowder is one of those guys. I'm going to go one. I don't think they should move him. Uh, That's at the point where you just become a team that just keeps selling off all your assets where, you know, maybe you're accumulating a pick here or there, but you're not building anything. And I think building Zach Wilson's confidence level within the game with a guy like Jameson Crowder, I think that helps him so much more than a potential sixth round pick would. I could agree, but I'm going to put this a lot more mid than you'd probably expect. I'm going to put this as a three. And the reason I put it as a three is for two reasons. First of all, Jameson Crowder is a very talented slot receiver. And I feel like he could go onto a he's, he's kind of like a Marvin Jones value for me. I feel like he's someone that could end up on a competitive team in the playoffs for a decent pick. I mean, realize Muhammad Sanu was just traded two years, I think it was two years ago for a second round pick. So I feel like he's someone of a slot receiver value, not exactly like Muhammad Sanu, but someone who a top top team could be like i really want him he would really complete our receiving core and then they they could go and move with that 
But on top of that, the player I actually wanted to highlight is Braxton Berrios. Braxton Berrios has been very impressive for the New York Jets to start the season. He has 15 receptions for 150 yards. Um, he does not have a touchdown yet. However, he's someone that has proven that he can receive targets from Zach Wilson and can do well. Um, he had 11 targets against the New England. He had seven against Carolina. And then, what is it? He had three against Denver. Um, but still, like he, he had good targets to really start out this year. He's someone that's performed well. And I feel like he's someone that it, it shows that he has a decent rapport with Wilson. And I think that um, he's, he's younger by three years. And that's not saying that Barris will become the guy for slot, because if we're going to be honest, you and I both agree that that's probably going to become Elijah Moore. But this will give up more opportunity for Elijah Moore, give up more opportunity for someone who started out well in Braxton Barrios. So I feel like moving Crowder makes a lot more sense than keeping him because I think that you can get good value for Crowder, possibly even uh, like up to the round that he was drafted in, which is the fourth back in 2015. But I also feel like you have receivers on the team that Wilson is also comfortable with that can move. That's why I have it as a three, because I can also see your point that why not let that receiver, even if it's just for a year, have a veteran and make him comfortable. I mean, I don't hate it. And yes, they do have younger guys that can fill that role. Okay. On surface level, um, just don't, don't, you know, throw off your young QE rhythm. And then I mean, on top of that as well, realize Denzel Mims has been a health, healthy cut every now and then. Denzel Mims was a second round pick last year who's pretty talented. So Mims even needs to get more time. I guess. So um, that, that's why I threw him in there. Next up, I do want to see exactly how long he's meant to be out for um, before I say it. And I'll still say it overall, but. The guy I wanted to. Um, put in here is Tyrod Taylor. Um, I'm trying to see what his injury designation is. It looks like he's only out for a little bit, but he's on the IR. Um, You're not going to play him again this year. I doubt it. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of like a Deshaun Watson situation. Why wouldn't you trade Tyrod Taylor then keep him? And I feel like he's someone that, you know, could go onto a team and possibly help with a struggling quarterback situation like Miami or Pittsburgh. So what are your thoughts? Man, I, I don't know what his market is. Like, he, he's in the Cam Newton reins for me at this point in his career. He's good enough to win you some games. He's not, enough, he's not good enough to win you anything meaningful, like a playoff game or a Super Bowl or a division. He's a nice backup, I think. But, he can again, he can win games when he starts, so it's probably the best backup situation in the league. He's, like, in a league where 20 of the 32 quarterbacks are probably franchise QBs, he's, like, 21. So for the Texans, I'll go three. Yeah, you probably should trade him. Uh, I just don't know what other teams would give up what they have. And here's the thing. Most teams don't care about their backup quarterback situation enough. And even if he's dangled out there, no one's going to be lining up to give you a third or fourth round pick for him. So I don't know. I, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's too um, pressing of a situation. 
I'm giving this a four and I do agree with your analysis with it. But the reason why it's a four for me is because I don't view him as just purely a backup. I view him as someone that could actually go and start on another team once he's healthy. He was very impressive through those opening couple games. And then he got banged up. And I mean, I actually looked at it and I actually saw a, a Texans fan page say that he might be back for the Indianapolis game in a couple weeks. So that means he's still within the trade deadline timetable. And as I kind of mentioned, there's at least the two teams of Pittsburgh and Miami who have been absolutely struggling with quarterback play. And I don't think Big Ben will get, I don't think now Big Ben will get replaced, but I think that there's still a possibility, uh, particularly if Pittsburgh wants to try to make the playoffs and if Mike Tom was concerned for his job, but definitely Miami. Because I could see Miami trying to do it with Tua still being out. I mean, I guess granted, though, I, I guess the concern would be whether they'd want to start Tua or whether they'd want to start Tyrod. But Tua wasn't convincing when he played. Jacoby wasn't convincing when he played. To me, why wouldn't you go for Tyrod and give him a, a chance? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Washington, but Heineke's looks pretty good. So I'm definitely not in that boat now. But I feel like there's teams of whether a quarterback's out for the rest of the season, like in the next couple of weeks, like when Sarod's back, or um, if there's any teams that don't feel confident in their quarterback play. That's why I have this as a four, because I don't think he's going to be that pricey um, for Houston. I think Houston would like to have their draft picks since they have had a lack of them over the past three years, I think. And why not? Particularly if you're going to basically tank away this year, and you're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL anyways. So that's why I give it a four. The reason it's not five is because Tyrod's banged up, and I think part of it would have to deal with at least one, if not multiple teams, wanting to move for quarterbacks because otherwise, I mean, why wouldn't they go for, like, Cam Newton, you know? Since Cam Newton's a free agent, they wouldn't have to give up anything other than a little bit of money. So, And then the final player on this list, probably the most controversial player to have on this list, Allen Robinson. I think you got to build a rapport with him and Justin Fields. So I'll go too. I mean, if someone dangles out, you know, two first round picks for you or something crazy, go for it. But no shot. I'm not willing to, I, I, I'm not willing to get rid of him if I'm Chicago. I have my franchise quarterback and look, Darnell Mooney's nice, but Allen Robinson is, a legit wide receiver one unless I'm planning on taking a guy next year but I don't even know what the wide receiver class looks like next year I'd rather have the sure thing I'll hold on to him I can see your viewpoint but I'm struggling with this I think it depends on how the Bears season goes they have an intriguing schedule coming up before that trade deadline I'll remember exactly when it is I know it's like you know very early November I th- or like late October-ish. Um, but they have like the Raiders, they have the Packers, they have the Bucks, they have the Niners, they have the Steelers, all kind of split games. Now, we talked about at the beginning of this that Justin Fields seems to have a really nice report. Darnell Mooney, he was the most targeted receiver. He had the most receptions. He had the most yards last game for Justin Fields, who has struggled in his opening couple contests, though he was able to win against the Lions. Um, now here's my thing. If the bears are able to compete and let's say through these next, let's say through these next four games, they are five and three, 
which would definitely keep them in that uh, playoff talk. If they're five and three, which is basically when the trade deadline is, just like halfway through the year. If they're five and three by that point, I would say that this is a two as well, because you would just have to really get that perfect deal to move him. Um, I think he has a year left on his contract because I think he got franchise tagged. So I could see that. But if this team is split, if they're like a, even if they're four and four, or if they're worse, if, if they have the worst of these next four games, if they're two and six, I put this at a four because he's someone that can garner you good value. And on top of that, if you're a team that's going to possibly not be in a playoff scenario, because I don't know how I feel about these Bears yet. If they're a team that's not in a playoff scenario, why would you keep Allen Robinson rather than get solid value for him? And then you can go and draft another decent receiver. And since, and then you can go and build rapport for Justin Fields with someone like Colt Met or some of these like other uh, players that, play, that they have on their team. I, I, honestly, I'm not thinking of many of their other receivers. I know they have Rashad Perriman. Um, I think they still have Jimmy Graham, but who cares with that? He's, he's on the older end. He's, his, his career is kind of washed. But I think if you're in a situation where you're probably not going to make the playoffs, as I've said, if you're not going to make the playoffs and your team is just kind of struggling, why not move Allen Robinson, particularly because he wants to be on a team that can win a ring. Now, granted, he did say that this offseason. I think it was something that we talked about, and then he went and signed a franchise tag with Chicago. But still. If he's looking to get money and he's looking to kind of compete for a ring, though, it's really hard to get both. If Chicago's not in that territory, why wouldn't Chicago trade him and then go and get another young receiver in the draft class? Because, I mean, there's going to be good young receivers in the draft class. There's there's always, like, decent young receivers. So that's why I think it's a, a range. This one's the widest range. This one's the only one I'm going to give a range on. It's a two to a four. It's a long explanation. But that's why I have him on this list, because I think it's very variable. And I feel like he's you have to watch Chicago because I can see them. I mean, they imploded their team when they already cut um, Fuller. So why wouldn't they do it again? Chicago, I don't know. They're, they're a bad organization. All right, yeah, let's move I on. You, think you, got one more, you got one more question? Yes, I do have one final question here in regards to the NFL. And that final question is on the team. Is this the weekly question? What team do you feel more confident in? What team do you feel less confident in? Let's go. All right. Uh, all right. I'm all right. I'm gonna just do one of each. Uh, even though I, you know, feel a little bit more confident in my Cowboys. Buffalo. That week one, far behind them. I know it's just Houston, but hanging up 40 second time in three weeks. Really good pitching their second shutout uh, in three weeks as well. Really, really good stuff from the Bills. Uh, team I am less confident in uh, definitely got to be the Rams. You know, dropping a game at home, you know, division rival, game you were favored in. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Rams. They're not the complete team that everyone thinks that they can be. And if they're going up against the dynamic, you know, Kyler Murray is a different breed as an athlete at QB. But if, they have, if you have the athletes to go up against Los Angeles, don't be scared. You, you can take them out. Um, for teams that I'm a little bit less confident in, I have to give the Saints and the Titans, both teams that lost to 0-3 teams, uh, both 0-3 New York teams going into this week, uh, both in overtime as well. Um, with New Orleans, I just feel like they're too inconsistent to me. Um, 
I don't remember if I put the Panthers second or third in the NFC South now, but if I put them third, I'm going to feel bad because I feel like they're, I feel like I, it's almost a lock that they're going to get second in the NFC South at this point, just because the Saints are so inconsistent. Um, and that's just way too concerning to me. And then for the uh, Titans, sure, they're, they were without both their top receivers, but you still have Derrick Henry against a very weak defense and you're not able to win. It's very disappointing. Not that it was on Derrick Henry at all because Derrick Henry had a good game. It, it wasn't on, it's not like it's on him, but the fact that you're not able to have your team win on a 157 yard rushing performance by Derrick Henry is pathetic um, to me, at least. Um, sure, all the praise to New York for being able to find a way to win. Uh, when both receivers were announced out, I was feeling pretty comfortable saying the Jets would win, but you, you still don't want that type of loss on your record, particularly when you still have decent enough receivers like McNichols uh, out of the running back spot and your uh, Josh Reynolds and Chester Rogers and whatnot, guys who've been able to do stuff in the past. Um, and then for gaining confidence, I'm, I'm not going to have the, the Rams for losing confidence because the Cardinals have been a good team. So why not the Cardinals uh, putting up a really solid performance against LA in LA? Um, and another team that gained confidence for me, why not the Baltimore Ravens? The Baltimore Ravens able to put up a solid performance against 3-0 Denver in mile high. Um, and I guess that's actually one more team that I'll talk about here. But uh, an okay performance from Latavius Murray is with his first day as the starting uh, running back for the team, though really he's always going to be behind Lamar because Lamar does everything. But then Marquise Brown was still able to put it forward a good day. Um, so I think that it shows a little bit more. I was concerned with Baltimore because I was concerned that they were showing inconsistency um, last week, but now they've been able to look a little bit more consistent. And I feel like if they're able to get this win against the Colts this Monday, which I feel like they should, but if they do get that, I think it's just going to build this team up a lot more. So I, I feel good for them. The only other team that really concerns me is now that I, was looking at it, the Broncos, because the Broncos did only beat uh, teams that were 0-9 going into this weekend, now 2-10. and 10. And Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know how long he's going to be out, and Drew Locke doesn't impress me. So I am a little bit concerned for Denver with that in mind. Um, beyond that, I mean, that's probably the teams that gained and lost confidence. I guess, no, I wouldn't even say Kansas City gained confidence because you're still allowing 30 points to Philadelphia, so... Yeah, I, I think those are teams that gained lost confidence for me. All right, I like all that as well. So that's yeah, a good place to stop today. Uh, looking to see, looking forward to see you guys uh, back tomorrow. We're gonna have Carter Hill. We're gonna be talking the Richmond game, the bye week, and the Notre Dame preview. And then Friday we'll be back with the ACC power rank, the picks, as well as a small little Virginia Tech men's basketball season preview. So. For Colby Workshop, I'm Dan Steinbach. Thank you guys so much for listening to the 3304 Sports Podcast. Have a great day and take care.